0: supposed to get married?
1: I'm going to just swipe left. I just want somebody to share my life.
0: I always say that healing is a two-step process. The first step is awareness. The second step is choice.
1: You can keep waiting for the fairy tale or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've seen me on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hey, 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 lovers. Welcome to another inspiring episode of Dates and Mates. Okay, we're going to start out today with a fun fact. Did you know that the word April comes from the Latin verb aperir? Which, if anyone speaks Latin, I probably butchered that. But if anyone doesn't speak Latin, I can tell you what it means. It means to open. And many people say it's because it's the name of the month when flowers and trees open in springtime. They aperir, or in Spanish, abrir, you know. You get it. Open. So we are going to be opening up today. You know, springtime it's all about renewal and rebirth. So in the spirit of growth, we're going to talk today about self-awareness and the idea of opening yourself up to love. And that's why I have certified dating and relationship coach Lauren Zoller here to talk about how you can become aligned in love, personally and in your relationships. But first, I got a hot dish for (laughs) you. Mr. Owl, how many swipes does it take to get to the love of my life? One to who? Three. No, it's not three. (laughs) But I will tell you how many swipes it takes to get to your match. Then later in Dear Demona, I'll address this question. Help! I have too many dating app messages and I'm getting burned out. All right. Grab your bestie and open your group chat because it's time to dish.
0: Dating dish.
1: The Loop answers the burning question, how many swipes does it take to find a significant other? <laughs> the team at Shane & Co. Jewelry conducted a study asking online daters how much time they spend on dating apps whether they've met a partner from an app and how long it took them to do so. I know, this is the burning question. Everybody is like, Madam Damona, look into my crystal ball. Tell me, how long is it gonna take to meet my boo? And I'll shake up the ball, reply hazy, ask again later. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) That's the magic eight ball. But the real answer is in the data, friends. You know I love this data. According to this study, The average American will spend about eight months on dating apps and swipe on just under 4,000 profiles before finding a partner. Now, before you say, but Damona, I have been listening to this podcast for 10 years (laughs) and I've been swiping the whole time and I haven't met my partner. I just want to frame this for you because it's not necessarily, they're not looking at how long before you find your soulmate? And you know, I've mixed feelings about the word soulmate. Anyway, it's asking how long before you find a match? Okay? And this is someone to partner with. So if you look back through all the time you've been listening to Dates and Mates, I bet you found some matches in people that you have dated exclusively. It's funny how we, we have such a negative attitude sometimes towards dating and dating apps. They say, well, I'm still single. They don't work for me. But a lot of times when I ask people, well, have you had a relationship recently? Yeah, I dated someone last year. How long did you date them? I dated them for nine months. Where did you meet them? I met them on a dating app. <laughs> so if, I, if we go a level deeper, we look at are they working? Yes, they're working, but it's the process of getting to that person. If you're looking for a monogamous relationship, that one person that sometimes takes a little bit of time. But aside from that, a lot of times people will say to me, well, I've been on the apps for ten years." But how much actual time are you spending? Are you on the app for a week and then off the app? Because we know, I know, and I've told you on this show before that it's the momentum, it's building the momentum that gets you to that person. So you may be signing off right before your luck is about to change, right before you've built up enough momentum to get to that person. So keeping in mind that it may take eight months, and I say eight months of decisive action to get to that person, how does that change the way that you're dating? This article also looked at how much time people spend on the app and how many swipes they are swiping. This was very interesting. According to the study, men spend fewer hours per week, but more minutes per profile. And that led to a higher success rate when compared to women. I found that very interesting because in all my years of dating coaching, I found it to be the opposite, that men spend almost no time on the profiles and they do more swiping. Um, Maybe they're spending fewer hours per week, but they are spending less time per profile. So I don't know what to believe anymore, friends, but this is the data from this study. But get this. Guess which app was the most successful matchmaker according to this study? Huh? It's Tinder. So for everyone that's like, oh, Tinder is a hookup app. You know, you know that I've said before not to assign our identity to the apps. It's what you make of it. And the numbers don't lie. According to the study, 49% of those that are currently married or engaged to a partner that they met on an app met their significant other on Tinder and you know I'm bullish about OKCupid. It came in second at 34%. This article said that Gen Xers and elder millennials tended towards OKCupid, which makes total sense because that is squarely in my demographic. <laughs> so I get it. I get it. And you know, Bumble was on the list uh, when we looked at people overall who've met online. Hinge was also on the list. So what I'm saying is it doesn't necessarily matter which app you're on, but the kind of effort that you're making and the amount of time that you give it does matter. And then the way that you look at your results. I know the end goal might be to meet your forever person, but part of the process is meeting a lot of different people and seeing what you want and learning about yourself through your relationships. They won't all last forever, but they can all be found on a dating app if that's something that you're open to. By the way, if that is something you're open to and into and you're feeling like you're doing the time but you're not getting the results you want, it might be your profile. Let me help you out. I have a free profile starter kit that is only available for free for a limited time. We are going to be switching this to a paid product. So if you wanna get it in your hot little hands, I have profile templates, I have prompts, I have a cute little video that'll show you how to pick the best dating profile photos for you. And I can get you on your way to more dates, less frustration, and moving off the app with your boo all by going to datesandmates.com. Look for the Profile Starter Kit, put in your email, and you will have a free instant download of the Profile Starter Kit in your inbox today. When we come back, Lauren Zoller will be with us to talk about how we can become aligned in love through self-awareness, how to heal our inner child, and how to feel safe in your next relationship. Welcome back. Lauren Zoller is a certified dating and relationship coach an author and the host of the Aligned Love podcast. She's also the founder of the Aligned Love Experience and an expert practitioner in reparenting, generational healing, and somatic experiencing. Lauren's insights have been featured on the Drew Barrymore Show, holla, the New York Post, Business Insider, NBC News, Shape Magazine, and other international media outlets. And now she's here for the first time on Dates and Mates. Let's give some big smooches to Lauren Zoller. All right, Lauren, we just got to dive right into it because I've been following you on Instagram. I watch your videos. They're fantastic. You don't mince words, honey. You get right into it. So we're just going to dive deep. And one thing that really intrigued me is this, the difference between the somatic therapy that you do and what a lot of us are familiar with, you know, the talk therapy, the cognitive behavioral therapy. The Can you just explain how somatic healing works and how... It can sometimes accelerate people's results more than just, you know, going to your therapist every week and sitting on the couch.
0: Absolutely. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. So I'm, I'm excited that you asked me to dive in right off the get-go. Usually it takes a little bit of time. So
1: uh, I right love there.
0: it. I love it. So somatic experiencing and somatic therapy is therapy of the nervous system which is completely different than what most of us are conditioned to think about when we think about therapy, and that traditional CBT therapy, traditional talk therapy, is you going to a therapist and verbally processing your trauma. So in a lot of ways, you're just kind of talking in circles about what has happened and why it doesn't feel great. And what most people report, usually, if you've seen a therapist for years, and you've only been doing cognitive work, is that You feel okay for a little while. Like maybe you feel really great when you leave your therapist's office, but long-term you still don't feel like anything has shifted. You still are living in the same patterns. You are living out the same toxic cycles. And the reason is because you haven't addressed the nervous system. So somatic experiencing and somatic therapy in short is therapy of the nervous system. It's understanding how the body reacts to trauma from a survival basis and learning how to be with those survival patterns and reintegrate those survival patterns so that your body can react from a place of safety versus fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, which is a dysregulated nervous system state. So really it's the, I always talk about cognitive therapy is important, but it addresses 20% of the problem because you're just talking in circles You've got to look at the whole body. And somatic work looks at the other 80%, which is from the neck down and addresses the nervous system. So
1: how do we access that? We just like um, unplug from the matrix and then plug back in, like do a little reboot?
0: I wish it was that easy. (laughs) I totally (laughs) wish it was that easy. But honestly, you know, I say that we can all access our nervous system right now. If you take a moment to think about how do I feel? and you can name sensations and emotions that are present in your body, you are speaking in the language of the nervous system. So let me back up and and talk a little bit more about that. When you think about cognitive processing, you're speaking in story. If you were to tell me about your trauma, you're gonna tell me exactly what happened. You're gonna take step by step, verbally process exactly what happened when something traumatic happened to you in your life, right? The nervous system doesn't speak in story. It doesn't understand that language. The nervous system speaks in sensation and it speaks in emotion. So, if you're telling me, if you're working in a session with me and you're telling me about something traumatic that happened to you, I don't actually really care about the story. I'm watching to see how your body reacts. Maybe your shoulders lift towards your ears. Maybe you report to me that your heart rate starts to elevate. That then gives me the story that I need to hear, which is that the nervous system doesn't feel safe. It's going into flight. It's going into fight. It's going into a survival pattern. And then we have to work to renegotiate that back to safety in order for you to be able to really reintegrate that trauma. So it's... You, you can – if you tap into the sensations and emotions that are present in a moment-to-moment basis, you're speaking the language of the nervous system. But we have to remember we're story-making and meaning-making creatures. So it's it's a new language. It's hard to learn. Yeah. I, I love that you're saying this. And
1: I love how it it actually – like I'm not a somatic healer, therapist. I'm not trained in that modality. But I actually bring a lot of that into my dating coaching work Mm -hmm. because I feel like, like you said, the stories, they rule our lives. And we're, we are constantly pursuing the end of that story, whether we realize it or not. Mm -hmm. And we're like cut off from what's happening Internally, so I have my clients really just get into how do you want to feel on a date, and and I feel like you will you will notice when that feeling that you want to feel is repeated. You won't necessarily notice like if you're check if you're dating based on checking boxes, but you know I I see a lot of folks and a lot of patterns, Lauren, and sometimes people like they get it intuitively. They may even feel it in their body, but then they go, on, they go on a date Saturday night with the same person that ghosted them, that treated them like crap, and they can't get out of their own way. <laughs> yeah. What do you say to those folks? And I know, look, and like, I'm not saying this from like a high horse. I'm saying it
0: as somebody who has been through it, <laughs> myself as well. Right. Well, unfortunately, so many of us have grown up with familial dynamics and really even outside of our family we were humans we're walking on this planet we have come in contact with other humans who are wounded we've all experienced trauma in one way or the other and one of those trauma responses is that we want to be accepted and we want to be loved and if acceptance and love wasn't freely given to us as children, We ended up creating these survival patterns that have kept us in loops so that we will be accepted and we will be loved, even at the expense of our own truth or what we deeply desire or what's good for us. And so we create these survival patterns as young children. And an example that I give all the time, which is what I think you're referencing right now, is how many women do we know who can look you dead in the eye and say, This man is not good for me? And then Saturday morning rolls around and she wakes up in his bed. Because Mm -hmm. Friday night, just like you were speaking to, she was lonely. And in that moment, her nervous system said, I'm not safe. I need to be accepted. I need to be loved. I need to feel like I belong. I need validation. So what happens, even though she knows this guy is not right for her, her nervous system takes over her cognitive reality, her brain, and says, no, we need to survive here. We need to be accepted. We need to be loved. So it goes into flight, which is a dysregulated nervous system response. And she runs to him to get that quick hit of safety. It's a false sense of safety, but it's safety. She feels accepted. She feels loved. She feels validated in that moment.
1: But what happens in the next moment, Lauren? Because she feels safe in that
0: moment, but then Saturday morning, she's not safe right? She has to learn to be with that response. This is where somatic experiencing and somatic therapy comes into play. She needs to learn how to be in that discomfort and access safety for herself in that moment of discomfort so that her nervous system can renegotiate that survival response. And Mm -hmm. most people don't know how to do this. This is why you see, I mean, To become an SEP, which is a somatic experiencing practitioner, it's a four-year certification program. And then you have to do, you know, you have to, it's a lot to learn how to regulate the nervous system. You can do it on your own. You can learn tools. But this is why it's so important that we start to look at the nervous system and learn how to regulate our system. Because if we don't, we'll continue to repeat those patterns because it's the only thing that our nervous system learned. It's what feels safe. Yeah, and those patterns, they're really hard
1: to break because a lot of times they they don't start with us. Mm-mm. There's we're also carrying there's been I feel like there's been a lot of talk around generational trauma, which is something I'll be honest as a black Jewish possibly also Native American woman. <laughs> I got I got to do my 23 andme me, but legend has it <laughs> I um let's just say my generational, my ancestors have been through a little bit of trauma. And for a long time, I was just like, let me push that away. Like, this is just my experience, but I'm starting to embrace this idea of trauma being passed down. Can you talk to that? And for anyone listening that, that thinks that this may relate to them, like how, how do we,
0: how do we put that in its place for sure so the first thing i'll say to that is that we all have generational trauma i don't care who you are it's been passed down i always say that healing is a two-step process the first step is awareness the second step is choice if you have awareness around what is not working then you are informed to be able to choose differently and so it's it's truly two steps and awareness is always the first step Mm, that's powerful That's the quote right there. (laughs) Okay. So you've talked about how this
1: has shown up in dating before, but, you know, as a dating and relationship coach, I want to know your top dating tips through this lens.
0: So the first thing that I would say is if you are dating without nervous system awareness, it's like... Trying to find your partner in the dark with a blindfold on. So (laughs) like you're just feeling around and crossing your fingers and hoping for the best. If you can understand, just like you spoke about earlier, if you can understand how you want to feel and what safety actually feels like, and you have to find safety within yourself first, you have to know what safety feels like in your system in order to get out there and date and know if someone else is safe. If you don't know how to access safety, there's no way that you'll be able to know if someone else is safe when you meet them. Mm-hmm. So the first step is you've, you've got to understand what safety feels like in your body. And if you don't even know what that means or you've never experienced that before, do that first. When you say safety, Lauren, you're not just talking about physical safety, Right. No, we're talking about feeling safe inside of your body. Butterflies after the third date are not a good thing. It means that your body is giving you a signal that there's something that's not safe here. And what I mean by that is that if your body, if you're consistently in butterflies when you meet someone after the third, fourth date, that That's your body giving you a signal that something's off, something's not right. Because truly, when you meet the person, I'm not saying that you're not going to ever have butterflies, right? Like I have been with my partner for a while now. I still get butterflies over him, but they're not, I don't have them the whole time we're together and we've been together for a while, right? So if your body is giving you that signal, you have to be able to understand, hey, there's something off here. My body is telling me something because that person should feel like home. That person should feel like home. They should feel safe. And when you find that, you'll know exactly what I mean, but you have to find it. I had to find home and safety within myself first.
1: Yeah. I think that's really key, Lauren. That's like a key differentiator because same, like I've been with my husband. I'm embarrassed to say how long (laughs) because it'll make me sound like an old lady. And I do get butterflies from him, but it's, it's different, but at the, in the end, this is gonna, okay, y'all, this is gonna sound kinda controversial, <laughs> but I know, like, I've been with him 16, more than 16 years, I intend to be with him for more than 16 years in the future, but I know that no matter what happens, I'm gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. So if, for some reason, our relationship ended tomorrow, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay and I will go on, yeah. right? And I was just talking with a client oh, last week. And she is dating after a second divorce and and she had a situation that seemed like it was going to become something and then it's it it basically it's, it's fizzled, it's fizzled out. Mm -hmm. And she really went into that panic, that, you know, that, that dysregulated nervous system state Mm -hmm. and was like, what do I do? Do I call him? I want to say this. Well, I want to say it's over. Well, I want to say, and it was like, she said, I don't want to lose him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, remind me how long you've known him? (laughs) Six weeks. Yeah. Not even five weeks, five weeks to have that sort of attachment that early on to feel that you're you're not going to be okay if this person opts out of your life
0: is is really doing a disservice to yourself. Yeah, and I'll I'll even expand on that too because in a way, when we look at that from a trauma lens, at some point, being left is her wound. It feels unsafe for her. when Now that he's leaving and he's gone, it feels like she's been abandoned. And so if she doesn't learn to renegotiate all of that, to access safety and knowing that if someone leaves, it doesn't mean that you're not loved. It doesn't mean that you're not enough. It doesn't mean that you're never going to find someone else again. It really means nothing about you. If she doesn't learn to renegotiate that, it's going to continue to repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. So, I think that that circles back around to this is why it's so important that you do the work on yourself first, Mm -hmm. because it's a lot harder to do it. And I I mean, I I work with couples too; it's a lot harder to do it in partnership (laughs) than it is to do it solo.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's like three characters, right? There's there's like me, him, and then us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's an added character yes. in the story. So um I totally agree with that. Well, maybe I'll send her your way. <laughs> and we can tag <tack laughs> team. We can, can tag, tag team, coach. Um, what about this idea of like chasing or or you know, being pursued? I've seen some of your mm-hmm. posts on this. Mm-hmm. What's your take?
0: Well, I do think that chasing is different than being pursued. Um I don't believe in chasing. Chasing is a very much a trauma response and is in flight energy. Being pursued is totally different and I think that both me- both people in a partnership need to pursue one another. It's not a one way, it's not a one way thing. But there are so mm-hmm. many women who will put up with what I call bullshit and breadcrumbs.
1: <laughs> with,
0: with men just they're always guessing they're like well what does it mean if he didn't here's the deal if if a man or a woman is into you that you are going to know you're going to know they're going to make it known that they are into you and if they don't they're either playing games which you don't want or they're not into you which you don't want either can I add just an addendum to that though because I see a lot of people that are like
1: I want to be pursued like like um you know it's olden times and they want they want the guy to like fill up their dance card and come and visit and talk to their parents and ask for their hand and like okay i'm i'm exaggerating <laughs> but i do see this expectation that it's like if i'm not his one and only from day 1 and he's not banging down my door that like well then it's not then it's not the one and then i push it away then i push it away and I think there's a, there's, there's a lot of nuance, Mm -hmm. especially, this is why I'm always talking to my clients about those first 10 to 12 weeks of dating. That's really discovery time. And I personally don't think anyone should be like pursuing you or chasing you. I don't know. Like I, I, if someone comes on too strong in that first phase, I'm kind of like, hold on, bro. You don't even know me. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, or my, you don't know my clients. It That's actually when my nervous system gets triggered because I go, what's up with this person? What do they want that they're willing to make you fit and willing to lose themselves in the pursuit of you yeah. when you're still in that period of getting to know one another?
0: 100%. Yeah. And I, I think that there's so much truth to that. So much truth to it. And again, it comes back to yourself. If you are throwing everything that you have into a relationship in the first 30 to 60 days, that's showing you, again, an attachment pattern that you have that probably needs to be examined. You shouldn't be putting all your cards in that soon. You don't even know this person, right? But there should be this healthy level of, and again, you don't, I say this to my clients all the time, you don't owe anyone anything until there has been a conversation about commitment you don't. And so you've got to regulate yourself during that time. If you feel like, oh my gosh, well, I just need him to commit to me. No, that's your trauma speaking. You need to go uh, granted. If you've been together for 60 to 90 days and you both are on the same page and you've seen each other regularly and he's reached out to you and you've reached out to him, then you can have that conversation. If he's not willing to commit, then move on and you can be upset about it. But if it's in that first 60 to 90 day time frame, like you said, Demona and you are feeling like you need to attach to them ASAP, that's yours. That's yours to figure out, not theirs.
1: Thank you so much for joining me, Lauren.
0: Be sure to follow Lauren
1: on Instagram at Lauren Zoller, that's Z-O-E-L-L-E-R, and check out the Aligned Love Framework course. The links will be in the show notes. In a moment, I'll be back to answer the following listener question. I am overwhelmed with the number of dating app messages that I am receiving. I know you might be thinking, good problem to have, but it's a problem nonetheless. Stick around. You send in your questions, and I am here to help.
0: Dear Damona. Help me.
1: This question came to me in an email from a listener who signed her question snowed under down under. She says, I've been listening to your podcast here in Australia and I have a burning question without tooting my own horn. I get a lot of interest from guys on the dating apps. The area in which I live and date is very skewed in favor of women to men ratio. So I get inundated with messages and likes on dating apps. My question is, how do I handle this influx of messages? I try to be respectful and answer every message, even if I'm not interested, but it's almost a full-time job. I get burnout really quickly trying to siphon through the guys and trying to message them to give me a chance to determine if we should meet up. I don't like to juggle conversations, but I can take on average 7 to 10 days getting to know someone via text message only to meet and the connection to be underwhelming in person. I wonder if my mindset of trying to cull the numbers and really focus on what it is I'm searching for is hindering me, or should I just wing it and just go and meet people without even really getting to know them in written communication first? Thanks, snowed under, down under. Well, good day to you, snowed under. I gotta tell you, yeah, some people, some listeners are like, I wish I had that problem, but it is a problem. And I, I want to give you advice on how to navigate this because I know there are some listeners that are like, I can relate. I have, I don't know what to do with all these messages in my inbox. So first I just want to say, gosh, you must just be a really great person because the fact that you feel a responsibility to respond to every single message is very admirable, but also very exhausting. So I understand why you're feeling this way. And I want to absolve you of the need to message every single person. Because some of them are, they're probably just Hail Mary, like, gosh, I had a lot of religious references in just one paragraph. (laughs) They're just, they're going to shoot their shot. They're trying. But that doesn't necessarily mean they expect a response or that they should even get a response if it's going to send you into overwhelm. So. We need to do a few things here to tighten up the filters because I think that is the primary challenge is that you're getting too many messages in your inbox. One, are you on an app that has any sort of a filtering process or are you on an app where anyone can send you a message at any time? You might need an app that's a little bit more curated. You might need an app that has tighter filters or where you can tighten up your filters so that you're only communicating with people that. You are mutually matching with, and this is where also people always ask me: Should I pay for a dating app? Should I pay for these features like, like you know, a Bumblebee line or Bumble Premium, where you uh, can see the people who like you first? If you're in a situation where you're feeling overwhelmed with a number of messages, probably a lot of my advice, because most of the people come to me when they're like, I don't have enough quality messages in my in my inbox. Then I say, open up the filters. I'm going to give you the opposite. Maybe it's because you're down under. (laughs) So things are kind of opposite. Day is night and night is day here. But for you, it sounds like you have a great profile, which is wonderful. And while a lot of people need the Profile Starter Kit to get more messages, you need to have more qualifiers in your search parameters, in who you are visible to, so you know, normally I'll say, if you can kind of go 10 years on either side, depending on what your age is, that's a good range. But for you, I would say maybe just go five years on either side. Maybe be a little bit more specific about what you're looking for. And maybe like on OkCupid, you can use deal breakers to filter people out normally I'm like, don't go crazy on the deal breakers. Like when I see people's profiles and they got five deal breakers checked, I'm like, it's a wonder anybody made it through your filters. But for you, maybe you want to try adding one or two deal breakers just to get it to a more manageable number so that you can then only be engaging with a few people at a time. I'm not mad at seven to 10 days getting to know someone via text message. I do believe you should meet in the first week. But, I, because I also think you can't really filter. It's a false sense of filtering to be chatting and texting with, especially if you're texting with like 10 different people for 10 days. How are you, how could you even absorb any information about that person? And you can't really tell who they are or what they're about over text. You've got to hear their voice you got to hear their voice or you've got to FaceTime or you've got to meet them in person. But I think you'll feel less overwhelmed if you're having fewer concurrent conversations over text. So I would cut that number down. I would also only go a few days, maybe, you know, three or four days before you say, hey, I'd love to hear your voice. Let's hop on a phone call. I know, shocking, old-fashioned, isn't it? But it does work. Or, hey, let's get on a FaceTime so you can really see if there's a connection before you're spending 10 days texting this person not really knowing what they're about. And Part of the reason that the connection is underwhelming in person is because 10 days over text is a long time to start to develop this idea of someone who may or may not really exist. It's a long time to reveal things to yourself in text because of the online disinhibition effect, where we say things that we probably wouldn't say if we were face to face with that person. We reveal things, we probe for things, and then we suck all of the air out of that initial interaction. So, The new rule for you is you're not chatting with more than three people simultaneously. And look, if it takes you a while to get to that next message, that's okay. But if you're bringing it to a head more quickly and you're having that FaceTime or phone conversation, then you are eliminating those people as potential matches or you're making plans to meet up at a time when you can be more excited going into the match, where you can leave more for discovery, and you can see what magic is there when you are saving the magic for that first meetup. And that's how we do it on Dates and Mates. This one was episode 458. You know the question lines are open, the DMs are open, the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, at Damona Hoffman. And Anytime, day or night, you can give me a call or send me a text at 424-246-6255. We'll be back again next Tuesday with the Dates and Mates episode that you will not want to miss. Make sure you are subscribed and that you leave us a review wherever you're listening so we know which episodes you loved and what we can bring you more of. Until next week, I wish you happy dating.